0: Reading this morning from Acts um, chapter 27, verses 1 through 44. In the uh, Pew Bibles, it is page 527. Um, I'm reading from the NIV version this morning. When it was decided that we would sail for Italy, Paul and some other prisoners were handed over to a centurion named Julius, who belonged to the Imperial regiment. We boarded a ship from Adramitrium, about to sail for ports along the coast of the province of Asia, and we put out to sea. Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica, was with us. The next day, we landed at Sidon, and Julius, in kindness to Paul, allowed him to go to his friends so that it might provide for his needs. From there, we put out to sea again and passed to the lee of Cyprus because the winds were against us. When we had sailed across the open sea off the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we landed at Myra in Lycia, There the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing for Italy and put us on board. We made slow headway for many days and had difficulty arriving off Nidus. When the wind did not allow us to hold our course, we sailed to the Lee of Crete, opposite Salmoni. We moved along the coast with difficulty and came to a place called Fair Havens near the town of Lassia. Much time had been lost and sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was after the fast. So Paul warned them, men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives also. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and of the owner of the ship. Since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. This was a harbor in Crete facing both southwest and northwest. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they thought they had obtained what they wanted, so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force, called the Northeaster, swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. As we passed to the lee of a small island called Kota, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. When the men had hoisted it aboard, they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. Fearing that they would run aground on the sandbars of Sirtis, they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. After the men had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage, because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of God, whose I I am and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. On the 14th night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea, when about midnight the sailors sensed that we were approaching land. They took soundings and found that the water was 120 feet deep. A short time later, they took soundings again, and it was 90 feet deep. Fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending that they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, Unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it fall away. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you've been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. After he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Altogether, there were 276 of us on board. When they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. When daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. Cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea and at the same time untied the ropes that held the rudders. Then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and made for the beach. But the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bows stuck fast and would not move and the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping, but the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. The rest were to get there on planks or on pieces of the ship. In this way, everyone reached land safely. The word of the Lord.
1: We pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this time together. Thank you for this passage, a shipwreck. Thank you that we're in a nice, uh, you know, heated, ventilated, warm building and not on that boat with Paul. But we pray that you would put our hearts there, help us understand what he was learning. Uh, In Jesus' name, amen. Just thinking about the weather in this passage, and listening uh, to each one of you as you shared your prayer requests, and then framed against the uh, backdrop of our world right now, right? Ukraine, war, violence. Man, it just feels like the one word to describe all of this is storm. There is stormy weather in our lives and in our world. And I think it's really interesting that the Lord put us in this passage this week, at this time. I believe in God's providential direction over these things. And so, what are we supposed to get out of this, right? What are we supposed to hear as we look at Paul's story? Lucas, can you turn this down just a little bit? It seems very loud. All right. So, to really understand this, though, we need to like, go back and look at Paul's journeys there's a lot of details in this passage. There's topographical details. There's like uh, nautical details that are true to like the Adriatic, the Mediterranean, kind of what you would encounter if you were sailing there. And I think for that reason alone, we, we see this, this story to be trustworthy and true, right? That we can kind of sense, like this is a, a historical account written by an eyewitness, by the, the author of Acts, Luke, who was there. And we can feel it as he writes it, but we're going to Like, it's hard to follow this passage just sort of reading it. And so we're actually going to kind of recount the events uh, by looking at some maps today. So Paul and some other prisoners are handed over to be transported to Rome. Uh, And they're handed over to a centurion named Julius. So he's in charge of 100 soldiers. It's his job to take Paul to to Rome to stand before Caesar uh, Nero. Right, so they 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 board about at, at Caesarea, right near Jerusalem. He was in Jerusalem, nearly assassinated, taken to Caesarea, and this is where they set sail on a boat that is headed towards uh, a city called Tar- uh, Adram Adramiteum. Uh, but you can kind of see that like that's the that's where the boat is from, Adramiteum, and that's the direction they're going to head. Right, they're going to head towards. And so this is where they said sail. And at first, you know, it takes them two days. They get to Sidon. It's like smooth sailing. It's beautiful. Uh, It's a nice place to be. And, uh, you know, the skies are clear. We often don't know uh, when we're going to encounter times of... Thank you, John. Appreciate you. All right, so they set sail, they hit the side on. It's beautiful, it's nice. But then shortly after that, they're about to encounter storms. Now, Paul is going to make it to Rome. And as I was thinking about this, right, you know, someone who steers a boat is often called a pilot, but we often think about pilots as they fly planes. And I was thinking about this illustration of, like when you board a plane, right, the pilot is going to take you to the destination. And you can get up, during that flight, you can walk around the cabin, you can you know, go to the lavatories, you can look out the windows, you can talk to the person sitting next to you, but ultimately you're going to get to, Lord willing, your destination because the pilot is flying you there. And I think that is true of Paul's story, and that's true of our stories. Right, the first couple days of this trip, we don't actually talk about that all that often because nothing eventful happened, Right? God takes us sometimes through clear skies, through beautiful blue skies, beautiful sunsets, and that's good to celebrate that and appreciate that. But God's also with us when that, when that chime beeps, you know, when that chime goes off and it says, you know, please take your seats, fasten your seatbelts, because we're going to be hitting some turbulence. And so as we watch Paul's journey, right, he heads north, uh, sailing, and th- they begin to encounter some, some swift winds. Uh, they sail into the sea off the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia. And then uh, this is where they begin to encounter some winds, but they are able to make it to Myra at Lycia. So that's a famous colosseum that is there, some ruins. Uh, And it seems like they're halfway there, right? They've encountered some tough winds, but, you know, they're on the way. Now, they do switch ships here. They get a new ship that is headed towards Alexandria, and it's going to kind of take them on their route, or it's from Alexandria, and they begin to sail down towards the island of Crete. Uh, but they have to, uh, they're, they're sailing off of uh, Nidus, uh, but then they have to change directions because the wind, because they're late in the season, and they begin to head towards uh, Crete, the island of Crete, where they encounter um uh, a difficult decision, right? So they get to uh, Fair Havens, which is opposite Sal- Salmoni. I don't know how to say that, Salmoni. Uh, and I want to kind of change the map there so you can see them sort of sailing. They encounter stiff winds. And this is another map where you can kind of see, like, okay, this is a, a, a shot from space, right? This is NASA. Right? So you can see the point, Salmoni. They, f- they sail below it because the winds. And they come to this point called Fair Havens. And it's at this place that Paul stands up and says, we should stay here because the weather's really bad and it's not going to get better. But Julius, the centurion, does not listen to Paul. Uh, but the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and of the owner of the ship. There comes a moment in all of our lives when we have a choice, right? We can trust the pilot <laughs> or we can trust other people we can trust those things in our life that seem to make more pragmatic sense more utilitarian sense i mean we're going to get those messages in our own lives like here's how you solve your situation here's what you're supposed to do next we're going to get those situations in our world lots of thoughts about how to respond to ukraine and other stormy situations but there often comes times when god calls us to simply trust him to put our hope in him as our pilot. And so when we encounter storms, it's an opportunity to examine our lives and say, am I trusting my pilot? We don't necessarily encounter storms because we haven't been trusting the pilot. Bad things don't happen because we're bad people or make bad decisions. Sometimes they do, but not always. Sometimes God providentially takes us through the storm. They set sail from fair havens They begin to head towards Phoenix, but they encounter a Northeaster. You all familiar with the word Northeaster? That's literally what the word is in the Greek, right? This this strong force wind that drives them south beneath uh, an island of Cade. And after this, they're driven out into the Mediterranean. They're driven out into the sea. It's pretty scary, right? Now, if we go back and we look at the next map, like. That's a huge distance. That then, for the next couple of weeks, they are just violently battered in the sea, and they try to stay away from this. Uh, they call it the sandbanks of of Syrtis, uh, because that was a place where there was a lot of shipwrecks. We can even still tell that, right? Uh, they're nervous, and they begin to throw things overboard, right? Uh, cargo, the tackles, right, the extra lines, and those things that you need to even run the ship. They're getting to a point of desperation. Sometimes God takes us through storms so that we can get to a point of desperation, so that we can get to a point of trusting him. And we actually hear the desperation uh, in uh, Luke's voice, like, it's hard to imagine a, a violent raging storm and being on the ocean. I've never been in that situation, like in this room. But here's a big wave. Maybe that helps you smell the sea salt, uh, hear, hear the storm raging. Maybe you can imagine some thunder and lightning. Uh, this is what happens. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. You hear the desperation in Luke's voice. We're not going to make it. <laughs> uh, maybe he's carrying the manuscript or simply the memories or the notes of Acts, maybe even the Gospel of Luke. I don't know exactly when he wrote those things, but, man, you feel like, God, I thought you had all these plans. I thought you had all these things that I was supposed to do, that I was supposed to do for you. <laughs> and you're just taking those things away? Paul was pretty clear that, like, he was supposed to go to Rome. Paul knew he was going to make it. Luke did not know he was going to make it. That that promise did not extend to Luke. And, And another friend came along as well, Aristarchus. I can imagine both Luke and Aristarchus were like, what is going on? I mean, Paul talked about the resurrection. Do we really believe in the resurrection? Maybe they're thinking of stories like Jonah and the big fish. God can get us out of this if he wants to. And sometimes when we go through those storms, God does deliver us safely through. And other times, God chooses to deliver us safely through by bringing us home to him. Right? I don't have to recount my, my own personal story of, of watching a family member that I love pass away. But you know, he was brought safely through right, to Jesus. That was not how I would have chosen that story to end, but he has been brought safely through. And when we lose those we love that know Christ, we can say, wow, the storm was rough, but they are safely through to Jesus. Man. And so in this moment, Paul uh, has an opportunity to then pray, right? I, I think Paul was praying for those on board the ship because this is what happens uh, Paul gets up and tells everyone, I told you so. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. I, I, don't know, I don't think he was being prideful. I think he was just being very Paul, right? And maybe he was trying to establish some credibility. I told you guys not to sail this way. Now you're dead. Now are you going to listen to me? He says this. He says, last night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. I think that implies that Paul was praying for Lucas, uh, for Luke, for Aristarchus, for Julius, for the pilot, for everyone on that ship. Uh, Paul was a man of prayer. Uh, so keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. Bad things happen to people all the time, and yet God is going to be faithful in the trial, in the suffering. And we know, as we think about Christ, that He's not leading them through anything that he hasn't already been through. Jesus has been through the most severest of storms. Jesus went through the storm of God's wrath so that you and I can be delivered safely through. He bore God's wrath so that we don't have to. So, whatever storm we bear in this life, that's like a picture of what we, we would have experienced unrelenting if we hadn't come to know Christ Jesus, if we hadn't been saved and delivered by God's mercies. Man. Jesus knows what it's like to sail through the storm, and you know, Jesus is the one who calms the raging sea, right? His, he was sailing uh, across the Sea of Galilee when he also encountered a storm, him and his disciples, and his disciples freaked out and said, like, we're going to perish. Don't you care, Jesus? And Jesus gets up and rebukes the wind and waves, and with just a word, calm. Sometimes Jesus will ride with us through the storm and sometimes we will pray and he will absolutely calm the storm. He is a good pilot. Do you trust your pilot? Do you know the pilot? If you don't know the pilot, then it's a good time to hit the call button and have a personal conversation. They're about to crash. The, the, the boat is coming apart. They're about at... Malta, they're at the final stretch. The crew tries to cut the lifeboat free and, and escape that way, and Paul stops them, says, if, you, if they get away, we're all going to perish. So the captain uh, and the soldiers cut the, cut the ropes. The boat goes away. And then Paul does something that's kind of interesting. He says, let's eat. <laughs> right? They've been battling the storm for two weeks. They don't have their strength. Let's eat. God cares about our practical, everyday needs doesn't just care about your salvation. He cares about your hunger, your thirst. No matter your storm, God cares about you in those stormy waters. And then what happens? Well, they have a shipwreck. The ship goes down. It's torn apart. Those that can swim swim to shore. And those that can't swim, a terrifying situation to be in, grab hold of pieces of the boat as it's broken apart. It runs aground on a sandbar like a reef area, grab hold of pieces of the boat and swim to shore that way. In this way, everyone reached land safely. Author of Acts, Luke. Shipwreck survivor. You know, God is a good, good pilot. This is how chapter 27 ends. And the question is, Do you trust your pilot? Do you trust Jesus? Because that's like the big message that I hope that we'll all walk away with. That Jesus is good, that he's trustworthy, and that he will fly us through no matter the turbulence, no matter what we're going through. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this message. Help us trust our pilot. Help Help us no matter turbulence or sunny skies, know that he is there and he is flying to where you want us to go. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.